0: Please listen carefully.
1: Hi, I'm Paul Fields. And I'm Dave Guzman. Welcome
0: to Practical Bass, where each week we pick a topic of interest to you, the working bass player, and we unpack it. We look at some of its dimensions and we kind of throw the ball back to you, our listening audience, uh, to see what you think about it. Um, Every week, you know, we we pick these topics uh, generally from a list that uh, that Dave and I have concocted, but we've also been very fortunate to receive listener mail from time to time, uh, suggesting topics, and we. We'd love to hear from you, our listening audience, about things that you would like to hear about, uh, things you would like to hear us explore, questions that you have, anything about the world of bass playing. Um, we'd be happy to to look at and and uh, and talk about and discuss with you. If you want to get in touch with us, it's really easy to do that. You can go to our website, practicalbass.com, where we have a contact form, but you can also find us on social media. If you go to Facebook or Google Plus or Twitter, you can reach us there. We even have an Instagram feed. Uh, we'd love to to hear uh, from you guys there as well if you've got photos that you like to share of your gigs or equipment or uh, questions about a piece that you're not quite sure what to do with it give us a uh give us a holler give us a shout on Instagram we'd love to to kind of look into that for you so Dave what are we gonna talk about this time out yeah this time we're gonna we're gonna get direct we're gonna get direct very direct we're really gonna talk to each other without the filter this time
1: that's right we're gonna go di. We're gonna go di direct di. Uh, we're gonna talk di I mean, this is a normal conversation that people have. Yeah, they talk di's
0: all the time. Yeah, you and I do that all the time.
1: Yeah, we're not normal people though, Dave. Well, it's our water cooler. It is. This is
0: kind of our water cooler. Like the listeners are, you know, peeking in on it and they get to hear right. what <laughs> boring people <laughs> we are. <laughs> Man, these guys are talking about di's again.
1: What is it with us? Some Bugs. stick around, yeah. Some don't. <laughs> Some are like, "What is a base, anyways?" <laughs> the water cooler is usually bereft of people
0: other than us. <laughs> I wonder why that is. <laughs> uh, we're
1: liberal on our water, yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: So, all right. Well, so on the subject of DI's, have um, have you used those? Like, talk a little bit about your experience with the mystical DI.
1: Sure. Yeah, I use uh I use DI. I um I mean I use it currently. I used to when my uh you know when my amp didn't have one that was built in, I used to even have like a DI box that I would bring in specifically, right? And uh, I think it was one of the cheapies that I just used just for gigs, like a behringer or something along those lines. Yeah. Um I've used, you know, other forms of DIs. I use like the Tech 21, like the Sansamp new York one which is really more of like a preamp but yeah, it's still yeah. a DI form it right. still has that same functionality um but yeah like that I, I use one uh you know for certain gigs I use it and and also for uh, for recording it's it's important how yeah. about you
0: yeah they're pretty much indispensable
1: right um so uh
0: you know as I've mentioned I think on some other episodes um you know I run PA for various bands that I play with um, and occasionally like for, you know, other folks. And so I've got a handful of DIs that, you know, ride with my, my cables and everything. Right. Um, You know, mainly they're that standard, you know, whirlwind mm-hmm. um, passive DI box. But I've also got a couple, I've got a couple of the Behringer units that are active, the active DI's that they okay. have, including one of them um, I actually bought because uh, this guy had wired it to bypass the battery Line and instead run to a uh, a transformer box so that you could run it off AC power. Huh. Okay. And, and that was kind of cool. I thought that was yeah. like a neat little hmm. mod that he had made. And I was like, oh well, I needed to buy a cheap DI at the time. Like I just needed one more for a gig I knew I had coming up. I didn't want to sink a lot of money. And I was like, oh well, if I'm gonna buy one, you know, shoot, I'll buy if that. It, thing. If
1: it has a second use,
0: yeah, that is a sell. Yeah, yeah. It was like a that was a value buy. It's like buy
1: one, get one free. Yeah,
0: exactly. And, you know, the best DI I think I ever used um, was at a studio um, here in Virginia. They had an Avalon U5 um, Mm. that I used uh, on a session that I did there, and it was phenomenal. sounded great. Um, Those are amazing units, but they are very expensive. Right. Right? Like, it's basically a class, I think, like a class AB um, tube-based, you know, di and preamp and just phenomenal right but but like you you know my you know my rigs usually have the di built in so you know a lot of times when i'm on stage i'm using uh you know the di that's on my amp you know just running that
1: out but you happen to have more experience with it because you're doing like most bassists aren't going to need a handful of di's
0: probably not i mean there are I think if you've used a bunch of them, you probably find that there are certain models that are gonna sound better than others with different bases, like, oh, this one sounds really good with this base, and for some odd reason this, you know, this cheap DI sounds really good with this base. I mean, you can never tell. I mean, it's 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 cool to be able to try out a few of them and sure and really see
1: what you like. Yeah. But and because you happen to be a basis that also helps support your bands with general sound and their yeah. PA, then you have that opportunity to be able to sort of experiment yeah. through different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like try, you know, try different, uh, you know, different units that I've got with people and, um, you know, occasionally I'll run into other sound guys and kind of see what they're, you know, what
1: they're using. Yeah. So I think um, for me, because, because I could remember like the first time that I actually needed to have a DI was when, some sound guy years ago was like you got a di box and i was like i don't know what you're saying
0: i remember i remember doing that as well So embarrassing you're like i
1: might let me check in my gig bag i've got is that this is that this (laughs) i remember actually pulling i
0: i actually did that like is is that this and i pulled it out it was like one of those um eight it was like an ab switch box right um battery-powered switch box n- nothing to do with the di at right. all just right a splitter essentially like a a battery-powered splitter box i think i still have it actually in the other room it's like some proco thing that i
1: bought so on this podcast we don't prejudge and i think it's important for our listeners to get that sometimes that 101 of like what the heck is this di box yeah. like what does it even do
0: yeah exactly besides
1: like just connect you to the system like there's got to be something else it does
0: yeah i mean uh, you know i i learned (laughs) i learned what it was not even from that sound guy but by asking around afterwards just because i didn't know what it was that i maybe should have had right and didn't and uh uh you know i just felt kind of guilty that i didn't you know understand that so you know by no means are we you know judging folks out there and in fact it's like the opposite hopefully if there's people out there who aren't really sure what these do like maybe you've even got one but you're not really sure why it's useful but you bring it the sound guy's happy whatever right right (laughs) so hopefully we can kind of explain what that's all about you know for the the most part really what the di does is it takes an unbalanced signal and it turns it into a balanced signal signal um Mm. and you know you might be asking yourself what is an unbalanced signal um and you could think of this as a line that only has two connections on it right and if if you don't know what i'm talking about pull out an instrument cable like just a standard instrument cable and if you look at it look at the the end of it it has two connections one of them is the tip right that the, the tip of the plug yep and the other connection is the sleeve, the long, you know, the long sleeve that's connected to that. Those are the two connections that that line has, and it's it's called unbalanced. You also see it sometimes called TS or tip sleeve um, because of the way that it's constructed. Mm-hmm. Um, another example of an unbalanced line is a is an RCA connection. If um, you ever seen the old connections that came out of like a record player or something, they have like right. a a pin that sticks out of the middle, and then these circular plates around the around right. the the circumference of it um that's a an rca plug and that those right the pin and the plates carry the two signals in that line that's an unbalanced line as well so on the other hand you've got balanced connections right we talked about unbalanced and balanced is basically a set of three connections ground live and return right um And a good example of this is an XLR cable, like the kind of cable you connect to your microphones um, or that you're running on stage to, you know, powered monitors or whatever. Right. Because if you look at that, on the male side, there are three pins, right? Yeah. And on the female side, you got three little holes, right? And those are your three connections, uh, ground, live, and return. Right. Um, Another example is the cable that you plug into your, like your, your iPhone or your, your Android phone to Mm -hmm. connect it to a stereo. Right. If you look at that little plug, it's actually got three connections on it. There's the tip, there's a sleeve. And then between them, there's a ring. Right. Right. So there's three little segments to it. Yep. And those are your three connections of ground, live and return. Right. Right. And you know, the reason those are important, um, you know, why would you use the balance connection, I guess, instead of an unbalanced connection, well, in the case of so it's interesting, in the case of your um, your iPhone or your Android, um, you're actually using <laughs> this is actually not really a balanced connection because even though it's got three three connections, one of them's carrying the left channel, one of them carries the right channel, right and the other one carries ground, right? Right So those are actually two unbalanced connections on one cable. Mm-hmm. But in, a, in the case of a mic cable, right um what you've got is uh you know these three connections are basically you know two of them are carrying the same signal yeah. more or less right and what happens is that line is picking up the same noise and interference all the way down like those all those connections the ground the live and return are all running the same direction yeah right and they're all picking up the same noise and interference which means that if you invert the return if you invert one one of the live connections uh at the source mm-hmm. then it means that you can basically subtract the noise because you're going to get the same noise and interference all the way down yeah. right so you can subtract it at the other end and what you end up with is a much purer signal right right which is why it's a great choice for something like microphones because you have you know you don't want to be picking up a lot of noise you want to be picking up people's voices. Right and not a lot of hiss or or other things like that. Um, and you will find quarter inch connections, like you know, quarter inch being like that's the size of an instrument plug. Yeah. Right. Um, you will find that there are TRS, right? Those tip ring sleeve, right? Type cables that come in that same size, and right. they're called balanced cords like balanced quarter inch cords like uh-huh. I use this in my studio to run from all my audio gear to like my monitors and things like that all of those lines are balanced so that they pick up less noise between the components
1: that's the sound of my mind blown <laughs> it it actually makes sense it yeah. makes sense and and you know and I, for me that's been a mystery and I I just I love yeah that makes that finally for me i can actually visualize what that does yeah it
0: took a long time before i understood how any of that worked i mean i knew that like you know i knew mic cables were different yeah you know, they they were shaped differently but i had no idea yeah why right why does it have these pins like why these pins why not 4 or right 2 or whatever and you know so that's that's really the reason um you know the the point of being able to get to these balanced signals is so that, you know, you can get an instrument type signal all the way out through a long distance to like a mixing board or something like that and not have it be full of noise by the time it gets there. Right.
1: right. Because there's, there's a line, I mean, because we still use instrument cables. Yeah. Right. So yeah. we still have that, but the the fact is, is there are times where we do need a DI box. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like it becomes it's important. Like, and it's not just because you need, it's not just a connectivity thing. Like, Oh, well that's got an XLR input. So I'm just going to like use this box to transform this quarter inch into an XLR. Like there's actually a reason for that. Right.
0: Right. To get, yeah, it's basically to get it out. Uh, you know, that, that longer line, you know, that, that longer run of cable Out to your board and not have it be all fuzzy by the time it gets there, and you know there are there are some other reasons for um, for DI's as well, like um, getting an instrument level signal um, from some older keyboards or synthesizers uh-huh. can be really hard. Um, right, acoustic guitar pickups sometimes have a you know a pretty low signal as well, yep. and so you know putting those into a DI can help you not just kind of, you know, get, get a long way out to the board or whatever, but also, you know, if, if you're using an active DI, like you can kind of rate, you use it as a preamp and raise the signal up to more of a line level. Right. Right. So not only just, you know, you can juice it up and then also protect it while it's on its way. Yeah. To, to a board or whatever you know and and you know there's the practical function too right like if you're you're playing acoustic guitar and running to a di at the front of the stage like you don't want to be running through a cable that's literally attached to the mixing boards right right i mean that would be horrible <laughs> so yeah i mean you're not going to find 150 foot instrument cables out there for this reason but you know you can find long running XLR cords, I mean, yeah. or snakes, which are basically just long bundled balanced lines. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That makes sense. And then, and, and earlier you were mentioning that there's like there are some of these DI boxes that are active and some that are passive. Um, when do we like? When do we decide which is which is needed?
0: Yeah. Um. So generally. I use the the passive DIs with instruments that I know have a, a, a strong signal on them, right? Right. Like active an active bass or a very powerful synth. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's you know something modern, like in fact, some modern keyboards nowadays they have XLR outs like right on the back of the, right. the keyboard. But you know, some of them don't, but they'll give you plenty of of volume out yeah. of their out of their outgoing line. And so, you know, I might run that to a a passive DI. Whereas if I've got a very quiet instrument, like an acoustic guitar pickup or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, I might run that into an active DI so that I can get more oomph, right? Get more juice out of it.
1: Right. And right. then
0: and then run that to the board.
1: Yeah. Just like how earlier I was mentioning with the with my sansamp with the DI box, it has there is some power that's going through that there is a battery where you could mm-hmm. actually plug it in right right and it was necessary because i was mostly when i was using that i was mostly playing passive basses and it also gave me it gave me power it gave me a preamp really
0: yeah yeah and that you know that's really the that's really the difference between them you know those active those active di's have that have have a bat, have the battery power or wall power and you know you can it's basically a, becomes a preamp as well as a direct box and, right the passive ones are, you know, they're really only doing the job of converting it to a, converting that unbalanced signal to a balanced signal, and they're probably not going to do much in the way of, like, coloration or boost or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. There's also so unlike a, you know, right now what I'm using is is if I'm using a DI for the most part, I'm for my for my bass rig, it's like on the back of my amp. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then there's always that like mysterious switch of like the pre and the post, which I kind of have like a general idea of what that is like before all the mechanics and after all the mechanics. Yeah. But like, is there power still that's going through that or like, what does that whole thing look like? Yeah.
0: Oh no, that's, and you've got it exactly right. So, you know, your, your instrument is basically, you know, you're feeding out through the cable and you're going into uh, the amp into the preamp section of your of your amplifier and then now you know manufacturers manufacturers may differ right a little bit from one to another so sure. this isn't you can't say 100% for certain with every single amp you always have to look at the at their manual to see how this works but for the most part you know you're going to run in into the into the preamp section of the amp and then if you have the DI set for pre that means the DI signal is going to come out at that point, right, and head out to wherever you right. send it. If you set it to post, before it goes out the DI, it's going to come through your EQ section, it's going to come through your effects loop, like whatever right. other things you have going on, you know, to, to color your sound. And then it'll head out the DI. So it's like kind of having this uh, detour through the sound shaping section of your, of your amp before you send it to a board or whatever.
1: Right. Which is I mean, there's pros and cons. I mean, as a basis, right? Yeah. Like sometimes you actually want whoever's whoever's doing sound, if you yeah. want the coloration of all of your EQ settings and all of that, you definitely want like yeah. post, right? You want to have that control there. Yeah. But then you just can't touch it.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, very I mean, much right. I mean basically y- you if you're gonna do that, you should probably like have things set up pretty well on your effects and things like where you don't have like one one effect or one patch or whatever. If you've got a multi effects box, like suddenly jacks the volume right. way up. And if you're used to use you know, that being the case and then walking over to your amp and turning it down, that's a bad situation yeah. Yeah. for sending things to the front of house. Like you should already have figured out at that point, like Things are pretty much lined up volume wise. So they don't get necessarily louder, maybe just a little bit here and there because that's the point.
1: Right. To get like, some boost. Yeah,
0: yeah. Other than those, you know, minor changes, you know, you want things to be kind of well set up. And then, yeah, absolutely. Use that post setting. And that way what comes out of the PA is literally just going to be a louder copy yeah. of, you know, what hopefully you're trying to send out of your out of your amp. Um the the flip side of that is that if you're working with a front of house or if you're working with a, you know, you might be on a bigger tour or something like that where you've got a dedicated front of house engineer, you may have like a tech who's running the sounds mm-hmm. for the band. And in those cases, it, you know, usually what they'll have is a, uh, the pre out, right? Okay. And they'll be running that through a bunch of things in the back that, you know, the technical crew is managing Right. They're, right. S- they're sending a copy of that back to the stage so that the performer hears it and also to the, you know, so the front of the house yeah. is getting that that you know that that signal that is has the effects on it or whatever, you know, whatever coloring that they've been adding yeah. um through the the band's crew. Right. So those are the times that you might use a pre. Right. Um, I mean, I'll tell you in like little gigs where you know I'm running the band's sound or whatever. Uh, you know, 99 times out of a hundred, I'm on post because like my pedal, like my, I want my tuners to be able to mute my signal. Right. So when I step on it, it mutes everything. It's muting to the PA as well. Right.
1: Even sometimes like if, if there is a sound guy for me, I'll still keep it on pre because I want, I want the sound guy to have the control of what he feels sounds right going out. Yeah. But because if it's a smaller venue, I still have my amp. Like my amp is yeah. still put, even though it's really just for me, it's still a bass amp, right? Even right. a 15, 300 watt amp is still putting out noise that if I want the coloration, I can tweak it on my own. Yeah, And it doesn't kind of throw the sound guy off because what he's got going is cool. Like his bounce right. still sounds good out there. Right. I'm just adding like a bit of coloration. Right,
0: right, absolutely. Yeah, that makes that makes really good sense. Um, you know, it's, it's going to, it's basically going to differ by application, you know, like by how your band works, how the house works. So, you know, you have to kind of work with the sound man, you know, let them know what you're, you know, Hey, I can do this or I can do that. What do you have a preference yeah. It's always worth asking. I know that um, when I walk into a venue and I have a DI on the back of my amp, and granted, you know, I'm not playing these, you know, mega big places where sure. you know, this wouldn't even be an issue. Like they just set up and you plug in and you do what you right. do. Right. <laughs> but a lot of gigs, you know, most of us are playing like, you know, small to mid-level gigs. And typically when I walk in there and I have my amp and it's got a DI, DI on the back, you know, the sound guys are super happy because they're like, great, one less piece of equipment I got right. to run. I just plug into the back of your amp. Right. You take exactly. care of it, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's uh they're really handy to have
1: for yeah. sure. So are there any um, are there any tricks that we could use with our DI components?
0: Yeah, um I mean there's there's some cool DI tricks out there. Um the you know, one of the things that a lot of modeling gear does nowadays mm-hmm. is you'll have not just like uh, a, a, an output that has effects on it but often your um your modeling gear may have a DI out on it as well right which is a, a balanced line coming out of it right and that way you can provide a DI signal which doesn't have any of the modeling doesn't have any effects or whatever you could provide that out and if you just want the modeled stuff right you can use that as the DI instead so right. that's basically your pre and post right right out of a little you know pedal unit or a rack unit or whatever the case may be one other thing that's cool about certain kinds of modeling gear is that those lines are set up to be time corrected Mm -hmm. so you know when you pass through a bunch of effects you're going through some sort of processing and each one of those bits of stuff especially in modeling gear it's not so much the case with like pedals Yeah, because those are you like it's all electronic components and things are moving at the speed of light. Right. But in modeling gear, you're going essentially through a computer chip, right, Right. and through a bunch of algorithms, like little computations that create the sound um, and then put it back out in a waveform. And that takes time, right? It's not a lot of time, but it's enough that it can make a difference. Yeah. Especially if you're recording, and so you know the better modeling gear tends to have. Uh the, the modeled output and the DI output will be time corrected. Um, I know my line six pedal yeah. that I use a lot is like this. And what it means is I can take those two signals and run them out to separate inputs when I'm recording. Like if I'm doing a recording of, you know, for a song that I'm writing or for yeah. a session or whatever, you know, we can tap both of those at the same time. And that way basically the the engineer gets the modeled stuff which is like my choice for the sound at that moment for the song but they also get a di signal which means if they really if something happens in the in the production or the mixing or the decision making that they're not totally happy with how that came out yeah they can basically take the di and then put that through their own effects and things oh that's cool and decide to yeah, yeah like like change the sound or whatever right that is great. Yeah. So that would be basically just like running huh. a bass right to the board. Yeah. And then they make all the choices for effects later or something.
1: Right. And they always have that option.
0: Exactly. That's nice. Exactly. Um there's a uh, um there's another cool unit that I've seen. I don't know if any of our listeners have it. If you do, uh, you know, drop us a line, let you know let us know what you think of it, um, which is the radial tone bone. Um, I kind of I'm really kind of jonesing to get one of these it's they've got a model of this type of di that's got a couple inputs Mm -hmm. and one of them is for you know designed for you know standard bass guitars passive or active bass guitars but then there's another input on it that is designed for upright pickups so it has a much higher impedance on right and it's supposed to give you a way better sound and. I've been jonesing to try this, um, you know, and and take it out live and use right. it at a gig where I'm kind of like doubling between my, um, you know, electric, my standard uh-huh. bass guitar yep. and, and my electric upright. Right. Because um, my electric upright has a, you know, its output is very high. It's expecting a very high impedance like, right. a real, right. like a real upright does. Yeah. And I would really love to try one of these. And I just, I haven't found one nearby that I can like put my hands on and try. I guess I could just order it, but that's they're not cheap. So mm-hmm. I haven't taken the plunge yet.
1: Yeah. That's cool.
0: Um and I guess the last thing that that came to mind was this idea of reamping. Um, you know, I talked about this modeling gear as being like one way to give mm-hmm. choices. Um it turns out that passive DIs, some passive DIs, not all of them, but a lot of them, they let you connect them up to revert a line level signal back down to instrument level, so basically oh. you can run them in reverse to do exactly the opposite of what you did by putting there like if I go into a recording session or something like that with a pat like say my i don't know my sit down with my fender p, sure, plug it into their di or whatever this passive di and they put that in the board, right, yeah, just record it they can actually. Pull the line level signal off of that, the 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 tape or the or nowadays, mm-hmm. you know, the disc, you know, wherever they recorded it. Send it back out through the DI into a line that goes into an amp. And then they can choose, like maybe they got four different amps that they want to try. Right. They could like plug that into four different amps. Like, oh, does this one sound good? Do we like that one? Do we like that one? Maybe we'll send it to a a splitter and send it to two different amps at once.
1: Wow. It's
0: that I that, that's cool. That blew my mind. So I didn't realize that you could do that. Nowadays, like huh. people tend to do this in like what they call in the box, right? right? Like, oh, why go through all that trouble, you know, when you're you've got pro tools, you know, just record the DI signal and then you can, you know, pump that out into whatever plugins that you want. Right. But, you know, imagine for a second, either number one, you're in a studio where they're recording on like a analog console and analog tape. Right. Or you know, maybe it's not an, you know, maybe it's not a, a an analog studio, but they're trying to get that feel, yeah. right? So they might, oh, great. Now we got a nice copy of this with as little noise as possible, but now we're going to send it back out into the room Yep, through a vintage old amplifier
1: and, that's you know. That's great. That's actually a really cool, that's a cool feature.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's amazing. Huh. Finding that, that out blew my
1: mind. Out of a DI box. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool.
0: So yeah, that's, I mean, DIs are, uh, the long and short of it is they're just, I mean, they're, they're great equipment to have. I think every bass player should have a, either a DI or a way to do a DI Mm -hmm. at your gigs. It's just, you know, have, it's just one more little piece of gear in your arsenal. Yeah. So I guess that's a good place to stop for today. And, um, I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Out in the listening audience, you know, Dave and I enjoy going and researching this stuff and, and sort of finding out finding out tips that we can pass on to you guys. If you have feedback, if you've got questions, follow up. Um, we really hope you'll reach out to us because. You know, it's, it's fun doing these podcasts, but we love hearing from our audience that that is what makes it all worth it. Um, knowing that you guys are out there and that you're digging it and that you're you're, uh, you're you're digging what we're dishing out here. If you've got other ideas or if you, you know, hey, even if you want to dish out some criticism, we're, we're open to that as well. You know, be polite and nice because, you know, we're sensitive, but
1: um, especially Dave. It's mostly me. Yeah, he's I'm sensitive.
0: Yeah, he's, he's like a little flower. Sensitive-ish. But uh, yeah, but we hope you guys will will send us some of that feedback. And the best way to do that is you, know, you can find us on social uh, networks, especially on Facebook. You can find the Practical Base page. You can also find us on Google+, on Twitter, even on Instagram. Um, if none of those fail or if you don't do the socials, uh, you can find our website at practicalbase.com and you can leave us some information there. There is a contact form that we'd love to hear from you. Um, and uh, what you can also do at the website is subscribe to the podcast, simply press the subscribe link and you'll get instructions for how to sign up for our weekly podcast. You can use whatever app or computer that you happen to be on right now. Um, on iPhones, you can use the podcasts app on Android. You can use Google play music. You can also use Stitcher Radio on any platform. You can use iTunes on your Mac computer or just about any podcatching application that's out there. Just search for Practical Base and find our nice, friendly black and white logo. And if you hit the subscribe link, you'll be able to get a new weekly episode delivered to you fresh uh, with all the latest insights on making your gigs and gear rock. So until next time,
1: I'm Paul Frields. And I'm Dave Guzman. And this has been Practical Base. Thanks for listening. If
0: if bass players are hard to find, keyboard players are impossible to
1: find. Yeah. But you know it's not impossible. Decent ones. Piano lessons when you children are children
0: yeah there's a ton of them they're everywhere and yet
1: no keyboard where the hell did they go (laughs) where the hell did they go i'm so mad about this they're all right i was banking on being a bassist knowing that there are tons of keyboardists out there that could cover my bass line where did they go